Time spent in solitude is not time spent alone. God is always present with you. Solitude may be quite beneficial if we utilize it to sort out whatever's on our minds and in our hearts with the Father. Consider your day and make a plan to spend some time alone with the Father. Jesus' life is the finest example of how to learn about the benefits of solitude and in turn, getting to know why God wants us to be alone sometimes. We are fortunate that the Bible recalls several instances in which Jesus distanced himself from people and went to pray. Christ set an example for us to follow. He walked in spirit and truth, setting a good example for us. Although he remained completely God while on earth, Christ lived his life as a total human being in order to demonstrate to you and me how God wants us to emulate Jesus' style of living. Consider the book of 1 Peter 2.21 For you have been called for this purpose, since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps. Moreover, you're expected to have an attitude like Christ's, as Philippians 2.5 notes. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. Many of us overlook the significance of Jesus' quiet and seclusion. Everyone may benefit from Jesus' example of God's closeness. Jesus withdrew from people, daily activities, and duties of his ministry on a regular basis in order to be alone with the Father and pray. A key theme in the Gospels is Jesus' seclusion and silence. The foundation of his compassion, wisdom, and strength, which we see on every page of the Gospels, was his continual, deep relationship with his Abba. The necessity of isolation was understood by God's Son. Jesus desires that you spend time alone with God and converse with Him. It's a pity that in our days of distractions like social media and technology, finding time for God has become difficult since we've given such things priority. The first reason God wants you to be alone sometimes is so that you can give Him undivided attention as you pray. Notice how Jesus puts it in the book of Matthew 6, 6. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. God does not want you to pray to Him in open corner streets like the Pharisees did because such prayers are never honest. You cannot lie to God, but you can lie to man. Most of your praying should be done in private when it's just you and God alone. He wants you to pray in faith. He knows the desires of your heart, but it glorifies Him when you speak out your request to Him. He has promised to answer all of your prayers if you ask. He's ready to open the door if you knock. Getting alone and spending time with God requires some forethought and preparation. However, it is critical that we make this a top priority. He had to go to great lengths to get away from everyone so that he may pray alone. He had to wake up early in the morning, leave the crowded house, and walk away to a secluded place. But he did all of these things because he knew that that was what was required. He knew he needed that time with the Father alone. Everyone who wants to have a good relationship with God and be used by Him in a powerful way sets aside time to pray alone with Him. The point Jesus made here is that your prayer time with God is so important that it's worth going to extremes to get alone with Him. The second reason God wants us to be alone is so that we take our time before making a life-changing decision. God loves you so deeply that He won't let you make a hasty decision that will damage you later. God is so fond of us that He can protect us from ourselves. God loves us more than we love ourselves because we often put ourselves in danger intentionally or unconsciously. Notice how Jesus spent some time alone before making such a significant choice as selecting His 12 disciples. God wants you to have some time alone before accepting that job before taking your marriage vows, before moving to a new state, and before making any moves. Proverbs 19.2 Also, it is not good for a person to be without knowledge, 
and he who hurries his footsteps errs. You will ruin yourself if you choose not to wait on God and instead opt to be hasty. Consider the Bible's punishments for impatient people like Saul, Ahab, and Jonah. Before you make that life-changing decision, learn to spend time alone with God and ask Him to guide you. God adores you and has wanted the best for you since the beginning of time. Every time, I'll remind you of the tremendous promise He made to you in Jeremiah 29.11. He has the most brilliant plans for you. God knew who you were even before you were born into your mother's womb. God knows what will happen in the future. Who else should you look to if not God, whose knowledge has no limits? You could argue that because you don't have a true personal relationship with God, He won't hear your prayers. Call out to God in prayer right now at this exact moment, exactly where you are. Give God a chance to work miracles in your life today. Acknowledge to Him that your sin has separated you from Him and beg for forgiveness because of what Jesus did on the cross. Request that He saves you and takes control of your life. Request that He manages all of your dreams and aspirations. And request Him to assist you in following Him from now on. Claim the promise of Scripture. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And then begin to create your own personal connection with God by spending time alone with Him every day in His Word and prayer. The third reason God wants you to be alone at times is so that you may rest after a long day of labor. God took a break on the seventh day. Humans require rest, according to the Bible, and rest, oddly enough, teaches us something about God. God has given us the gift of physical rest. God gives to His beloved in His sleep, according to Psalm 127. I feel most rejuvenated in the mornings when I sleep well at night. Let's face it, regular life stresses may wear us down to the point of physical and mental exhaustion. I am grateful that the infinite God recognized the need to rest in this limited man. In reality, for a finite entity like you and me, living healthily without rest is impossible. He wants you to seclude yourself and rest after hard work. Sleep was created by God to be a gift. A moment each day when we remind ourselves that we're not God and that He is in charge. If you're anything like myself, you have difficulty sleeping when you're anxious about something, and it's understandable. Worrying, on the other hand, achieves nothing according to Jesus. So as you lay down to sleep, say this, God, I'm shutting down. Although there's a lot to do tomorrow and a lot to worry about, you're awake, active, and in complete control so I entrust you to handle what I can't. It gives me peace of mind to know that everything is in His care. He wants you to relax, and He's taking care of everything. Jesus wants you to take rest because God never sleeps. He'll be awake the whole time sorting your anxieties. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Matthew. 634 our hard labor honors God yet as our Creator he understands that we need to rest from duties that exhaust us difficulties that require our energy and problems that bring anxiety finally anytime we're in distress God wants us to take time alone when you're at your lowest that's when you need God the most only God can guide you through your trials Jesus went to the Mount of Olives to pray a short distance away from his followers, hours before he was captured. Our God is far too real, large, and wonderful to act in accordance with our human expectations and schedules. He loves us too much to do exactly what we want when we want it, in our times of need. But he never fails to notify us. He's always listening to us, and in Christ he will respond. Not always when we want and how we want, but always with the response we require. He knows what is best for you, and He will give exactly that. We are living in grim times right now. Many people have lost their jobs or are unable to obtain new ones. Others are working part-time and just scraping by. Unemployment is at an all-time high, 
The stock market's very volatile. And starvation is sweeping the globe. Mortgage defaults are causing families to lose their homes. Droughts, floods, storms, earthquakes, fires, and tornadoes are all common occurrences. People, even Christians, are getting desperate as a result of the world's upheaval. God genuinely wants us to be completely reliant on Him and in urgent need of His assistance. Consider a human father. What decent parent wouldn't want his children to come to him for assistance when they are in need? When everything appears to be crumbling around you, when the walls appear to be crushing in on you, when nothing in your world or this world seems to have any hope, when everything appears to be hopeless, remember that God is never startled. He will deliver his people from disaster. You are his child. He will never leave you. He will never abandon you, and He will never forsake you. I pray that you seek Him right now, today, at this moment, for He has stated that anybody who seeks Him will find Him. Take some time out of your busy schedule to speak with Him alone. He's never too busy to pay attention to you. We have a fantastic Father. Thank you, Lord. You may be where you are, doing what you are doing, having what you are having at this point in your life because of some choices you committed yourself to. In addition, these things are the results of how you see yourself, carry yourself, and thus respond to things around you. Permit me to begin by saying that you are special. You are a special creation of God from before you were born to your parents. God prepared you to be a unique individual. Psalms chapter 71, verse 6. From birth I have relied on you. You brought me forth from my mother's womb. I will ever praise you. No matter the circumstance surrounding your birth, maybe you were told that your parents didn't want you. Maybe you were born out of wedlock or had a very humble background. That, my friend, is just an event, not the real you. You are a treasure to God, important and special to Him. There is so much that is hidden deep within you. No one is useless. No one person was born to be useless in this life. Every individual is a carrier of a valuable treasure placed there by God. And God has a specific and perfect use of you on earth. Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Now, God, your creator, put these treasures there deep within you. And when you come to Jesus through faith and surrender, those treasures will start to fit into their rightful places. Many gifted people have walked this earth. However, only those among them who see themselves through God's eyes eventually serve their purposes to fulfillment on the earth. The rest just went through life performed many feats, but died without any significance before God. What am I trying to get you to understand right here? That God has called you out of this world to Christ, out of your humble background, into his loving arms, into his favor, into his favor. Here is how he sees you now that you are in his family. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 through 10. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Isn't it just amazing that God can look at you, yes you, just the way you are, with your warts and all, and simply because of your submission to the working of Jesus Christ in you, he calls you his special child. When you understand this, you will understand the next thing I'm about to say. You see, as you go through life every day, you must remember that everything is trying to get your attention. Everything around you wants to give you a new identity. They want to tell you who you are. They want you to listen to them. They want you to pay attention to them. 
Why is this so? Because whatever controls your attention will control you. For instance, when God says you are his special child, loved by him and having eternal life within, the world will try to tell you that you are not, that you are still very much yourself, that you are not special, that you have to struggle to fit in, that you have to try to be like others so that you are accepted. And like I said earlier, your life usually takes the shape of whatever you allow to have your attention in the bid to be accepted to be loved and to fit in. You may find yourself struggling with compromise, sinful lifestyles that you have turned your back to for the sake of Christ. At this point, what should you do? Here is what you should do. Stand strong and do not fear being left alone. Do not be scared of walking alone. If you observe You'll realize that some of the struggles many people with lifestyle and relationships come from a bid to fit in, to be loved, and to be accepted by the society. We are afraid to be different. We are afraid of being ostracized, being cut off from the crowd. We fear the mockery and the loneliness of being sidelined because we do not fit into their lifestyle. But hear me, the fact that the crowd chooses a path doesn't make it the right way to go. That everyone does something or approves of it does not make it healthy or good. Proverbs chapter 14 verse 12. There is a way that appears to be right, but in the end it leads to death. God has made his thoughts clear to us from his word. His word contains his expectations from us. His spirit continues to lead us where he wants us to go and to do what he wants us to do. Doing otherwise will be choosing to disobey God. Choosing to please the crowd for their applause or company at the expense of God's purpose is you choosing to side with the enemy against your heavenly Father who loves you and wants to save you. I admit that it can be challenging when all your friends seem to turn their backs on you because of your choices for God. I know how difficult it can be standing up for what you believe. Honestly, I do. Nevertheless, it is worth it. You make those hard decisions because you love the Lord. You make them because you have submitted yourself to Him. You make them because now He rules your life and you have surrendered your control to Him. You are ready to face the world because you know and believe in the hope of glory that awaits you, a glory that surpasses anything that this world can ever imagine. The Apostle Peter once asked Jesus, what's in it for us? We have left everything behind for you. What do we look forward to? Maybe you've asked this question before. Maybe you've said, is it worth it? I don't know how to be myself. I am used to being my brother, to my sister, to my friend, colleagues, lovers, and so on. Will my friends still like me if I talk about Jesus? Will they still want me if I refuse to do the stuff we used to do? Jesus answers Peter's question immediately. And here is what he said to Peter. I want you to imagine that Jesus is talking to you too. Mark chapter 10 verses 29 through 30. Truly I tell you, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me in the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in the present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields, along with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. As much as following Jesus will require you taking some hard road or finding yourself in a hard place, there is a promise that you will end well. There is something to hope in. You're not hopeless. You may look like it. You may even feel like it. Everything around you may say so, but it's all a lie. You are not hopeless. And the good news is that it doesn't end there. You see, not only should your hope rest in what will be, it should also rest in these words. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have, because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. This is a promise for the now. It is a promise to keep you from fear and anxiety. It is a promise to keep you from being intimidated. It is a promise to keep you right where God wants you to be. You are not alone, my friend, even when it feels like it. Don't be afraid to be by yourself. 
If anyone wants to leave you because of the truth you stand for, let them walk. God will never leave you. If any person hates you because of the truth you represent from God's word, love them instead, but don't seek their approval against God's standards. God will bless you with the right company. He will surround you with the right family. But above all, God will always be with you. He will always be there. Even when time, life's limitations, needs, and more keep others away, He will still be with you to help you to protect you and to provide for you. Isaiah chapter 49 verse 15, can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. Everyone else may forget you, but God will never forget you. Everyone else may leave you, but he will never leave you. Face that fear and look it in the eye. God has not given you the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a sound mind. Therefore, you will not be scared. Commit yourself to your faith. What makes you a Christian is your boldness to stand upon what the Word of God has said without wavering or fear at the cost. You see, you are a doer of the Word. You're not just a hearer. Other believers may turn against you. Don't worry, keep standing on the word. Everyone else may turn their backs on you. Don't be afraid, stand strong. God is on your side. He will never abandon you. However, trust him. And remember, one of your greatest self-harm would be holding back your faith. All of God's treasure on your inside, simply because you're afraid of standing up for the truth. There are many things to stand up for today. Love, truth, the undiluted word of God, compassion, law and order without judgment and condemnation. Once upon a time, Peter and the other apostles were strictly warned never to preach in Jesus' name anymore. They all, being filled with boldness, responded thus. Acts chapter 5 verse 29. Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than human beings. Who would you rather obey, my friend? Who would you rather please? The people who need God's help to find their way or the God whose help is the salvation that our souls greatly need. If you're feeling lonely and you're contemplating a diversion, an opposite option, remember these words. You are never alone. In Christ, you will never walk alone no matter what. So, don't fear. God's got you, both now and always. Amen. What is the meaning of waiting? Why do you need to wait on God? The importance of waiting. How do I wait? Will God answer me? Consequences of not waiting. What does it mean to wait upon the Lord? In the scriptures, the word wait means to hope, anticipate, and trust. To hope and trust in the Lord. Waiting is an equal part of Christianity. As a child of God, you can't rush God. You can't box God into a corner to give you something now. Waiting is a virtue, but tasking. My 10-year-old once asked me why God doesn't answer our big requests, but only small, small prayers. Hmm, I asked, the prayers in particular? He said we should have plenty of money to pay our bills. Wow, I smiled and answered that God Almighty will definitely answer us someday. I wish I understand better too. The answer is here. Waiting means to hope for something evidence of things not seen but you are expectant the patience is a virtue that must be asked of God for anyone to wait to wait for senior officers in the waiting room is too much to bear not to talk of waiting endlessly for a prayer to be answered but that is the right thing to do I took the time to explain my personal experience on this topic to let you know that you have to wait as long as you are a human being there are natural things you must wait for. 
We know the word wait means to expect or to look for, but remember, it also means to serve, just like a waiter waiting at your table at a restaurant. Our act of waiting isn't supposed to be spent sitting around passively, hoping that something will happen sometime soon. As you wait, ensure that you are doing something. God must find you serving, learning, and working on yourself. So, when what you ask for comes, it must meet you in the right frame of mind. An example is searching for jobs and trusting God for a job. As you wait patiently to get a job in the best organizations, start to work on your skills, get information about the organization, learn more about computers, learn more about the job description, expectations of a manager, and what you will be needing. Not that the job will come and you are found incomplete. While you wait, serve, learn new things. Why do you need to wait on God? Awesome God is our advocacy our everything, and our all in all. He is sovereign over all things, and we depend on Him for our very next breath. So let us express our dependency by waiting patiently, avoiding worry, living obediently, while seeking Him in prayer, and expecting Him to save us as we long for Christ's final return. If a man holds the key to your house, and you do not have a spare one, what will you do without breaking the house? You just have to wait patiently until he comes to the door. As you wait, what do you need while waiting? You need faith, patience, humility, meekness, long-suffering, keeping the commandments, and enduring to the end. To wait upon the Lord means planting the seed of faith and nourishing it. We need to believe and trust that waiting on God is worth it. You have to be humble respect yourself, and be lowly at heart. Let us look at planting. If you drop a seed into the soil, it doesn't spring up immediately. It takes a lot of processes. You must irrigate it, water it, and weed it. Possibly apply a fertilizer. Starting a business takes its procedure. You just have to wait. James 5, 7, and 8. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord, See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it, until it receives the early and late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. From the scriptures above, it is clear that waiting is part of the Christian journey of life. Nothing is done without its procedure. Habakkuk 2, 1-3 I will take my stand at my watchpost, and station myself on the tower, and look out to see what he will say to me, and what I will answer concerning my complaint. And the Lord answered me, Write the vision, make it plain on tablets, so that he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits its appointed time, it hastens to the end, it will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it, it will surely come, it will not delay. If it's slow, wait for it. It's worth waiting for. If God assures you about a thing, you can go to sleep. When people promise you, they may fail, but God is not a man to fail or lie. If he asks you to wait, he will surely fulfill it, except if you don't it. To protect you and preserve you, he may possibly not give you. There is joy in waiting on God, as he will not lie or compromise. God is God. He can never fail, because he doesn't know what it is to fail. He will never, ever fail you. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Let your trust be complete, don't lean on your knowledge, beauty, intelligence, the number of people you know, and your competencies. Lean on God completely and show Him your dependency on Him. I am nothing without you, Lord. God loves you and needs you to surrender completely to Him. All the world can fail you, but God will never fail you. He is the only sure assurance. How do I wait? 
wait as you pray fervently. Pray and wait until He answers you, patiently waiting for your answers to come. God is good only to those who wait on Him. Wait on God by keeping His ways. You must be determined to wait as people or even close family and friends will mock you. With determination, you will surely win the battles of life. If you are in a hurry or panned, angered, feel that all my friends had gone far but see where I am, that is the reason you need God in your life. Wait on God and He would lead your way. The timing of God is absolutely different. He does things within the twinkle of a second. You will start to wonder how, and the same people will praise God Almighty for your life. I have a testimony of a great pastor who wanted to marry his childhood friend, Sister Mary. Unfortunately, she said she was not ready. She told the pastor to go and marry since he was ready. The pastor went his way to another city where I reside. He met another sister, got married, and they lived happily for over 30 years. They had four children and became successful in their endeavors, all married too. Their mom passed on to glory a few years back. Guess what? The pastor who is aged now got married to his childhood friend and she gave birth to twins. She had everything she wanted. She waited as a virgin for almost 55 years. The ways of God are not our ways. His time is not our time. All you need do is wait. The patience is a virtue. Wait on God. Consequences of not waiting on God. The moment you get ahead of God is the moment you stepped out of His will. A lady was so much in a hurry to make it in life, get married, and have children. These are things you don't need to get in a hurry. She got her wealth in a crude way, built her house, and met a drug baron who married her, settled down to enjoy her ill-gotten wealth. Alas, she passed on. She did not live to enjoy it. What is the lesson here? Wait on God to take the lead in your life and direct your path. What are the possible consequences? Bitterness, sorrows, anger, pains, and disappointments. No peace of mind. Things may likely not work as planned. Even if it works, it's usually temporal. It does not last. King Saul was out of the will of God when he offered a sacrifice before going to war. The passage 1 Samuel 13, 13 and 14 shares the consequences of not waiting on God. You have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. If you had, he would have established your kingdom over Israel for all time. Instead, the Lord sought a new king to replace Saul. This is a typical example of not waiting on God but doing the dictates of the body and souls, you can't help God. God knows what is best for you. He will not give you something that will destroy you, but things that will honor and bring glory to Him. Ask God for what you need by faith and trust that God will answer your prayers. Patiently wait for answers. Waiting on God will help you work in His will. You will not work outside His will, and if you are in the will of God, you are victorious. Working in God's will will make God answer your prayers and your faith is strengthened in Him. Fear of the unknown, uncertainty, and lack of faith would make you not wait on God to lead you. I want to be this and that within a stipulated time. Microwave Christianity will make you in a hurry. If you can't wait on God, it would be disastrous. Wait and let God lead you throughout the leading of your life. Prayer is the explicit acknowledgement that we can do nothing without Christ. And prayer is turning away from ourselves and toward God, trusting that He will offer the assistance we seek. Prayer humbles ourselves as needy people while exalting God as affluent people. He is eager to speak with us. He desires for us to get to know Him. He was hoping for a romantic connection with you. He wants you to reveal everything about your life, including the seemingly little details. I hope that these prayer quotes not only encourage, but also motivate you to start a new prayer routine in your life. 
Find a comfortable spot where you can spend time alone with Him every day. If people can walk away from your love, then let them walk. Maybe you have heard this statement before. Maybe you consider it a cliche, easier said than done. However, it is true. Nobody said letting go is easy to do. In fact, it's one of the hardest things to do. Some of the deepest hurts of our lives have come from people coming into our lives and leaving again. When people leave you, when they walk away from you, when they have the courage to go away from you, let them go. You can cry all you want, yes, because it is painful. You're allowed to mourn them. You're allowed to miss them for a while, show some emotion. They meant something to you, and you can't live in denial. They left you, let a vacuum, broke off a commitment, and you'll feel it. It will be denial to tell you that you shouldn't express the pain of anyone leaving your life. But listen, after grieving, after expressing your pain, don't remain there. Let them go. Get up, dust yourself up, and move on. It's not the end of the world. It's not the end of you. You need to understand that your life, your joy, your fulfillment, your completeness is not in the hands of any one person. It's both in God's hands and in your hands, my friend. Repeat that to yourself again and again. I've seen many people put their lives on hold simply because someone left them. Some people plunge into depression, and some go as far as ending their own lives. No, 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 my friend. You're worth more than you know. You're designed for far greater things than your mind can fathom. You don't end your life because of anyone. You don't destroy your great destiny because someone else couldn't see it. No, you don't. Life is all about people coming and going. Deal with it. In fact, let me remind you, maybe you didn't know this before now. Not everyone who comes into your life actually belongs there. You must learn to associate people with seasons and phases of life. Yes, that's right. You must learn that art of knowing who belongs to what season or phase of life and those who don't. Some people are meant to come into your life in the morning seasons, while some others are meant to come into your life at noontime or at night. Among these people, there are those who will only be present from morning till noon. Some will stay till nighttime. You must not confuse those who are meant to stay longer for those meant to stay for a while. It is trying to keep temporary people that many of us fall into some of the life crises that we are faced with today. That man you fell in love with and got married to was probably meant to help you through a season of your life. However, because you did not understand the difference between people and seasons, you attached yourself to him and got married to him so that you wouldn't lose him. Yes, he was a wonderful soul who was there when no one else was. Yes, he was a shoulder to lean on, a listening ear, and a caring hand when you needed one. But he was only for a season. He wasn't meant to be there for more than a season. However, you didn't know this and you kept him. Then the season passed and your life plunged into a dark time. Now you see things you never imagined were possible. Now you observe things that were never there. Now life has become like hell. But you see, if that person had left before now, you would have felt it. You would have thought God was unfair. You would have fallen into depression. You would have thought you weren't good enough. You wouldn't have understood that. They had fulfilled their time, and it was now time for a new season. Dear friend, Isaiah chapter 55 verses 8 through 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. God's ways are different from yours. You're not smarter than He is. When He moves on your behalf sometimes, it takes faith and courage that understand and accept that it's all part of a bigger plan. I admit that it can be so painful to have someone you've come to love and depend on walk away like you don't mean anything to them. 
I know it can be so painful when someone you've invested so much in turns their backs on you when you need them the most and just walks away like all the years and sacrifices mean nothing. I understand. But I also understand that God's plans for you are far greater than any one person who comes or leaves your life. And because of that plan and intention for your destiny, you must understand that there is only one person who will be with you from the start of your life's journey to the end, and that is God himself. Abraham and Lot's story is a perfect example of this scenario. Abraham had started his journey with Lot, his brother's son, when God called him out of his father's country to the place of his destiny. Abraham took Lot along with him. Lot had nobody who took care of him the way Abraham did. Abraham raised him as his own son, more so like his own brother. What he enjoyed, Lot also enjoyed. When he increased, Lot also increased. When his life began to enjoy the blessings of God's covenant, Lot also shared. Some people will come into your life just to partake of the blessings of God upon you. Don't mistake them for your pillars. Like those who approach a tree for its fruits, they will surround you. Maybe God ordained it that way for your life to benefit them for a season. When your life has served that purpose, they will leave. You have to understand this, dear child of God. Lot was a partaker of the covenant blessings of God on Abraham's life by proximity, and he had become a great man too. He had so much wealth, cattle, and servants that the land could not contain him and Abraham any longer. Then strife broke out between their workers, and there was a rift between them. Abraham had to do something about it, and here is what he did. Genesis chapter 13, verses 8 through 11. So Abram said to Lot, Let's not have any quarreling between you and me, or between your herders and mine, for we are close relatives. Is not the whole land before you? Let's part company. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. Lot looked around and saw that the whole plan of the Jordan towards Zor was well watered, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan and set out toward the east. Two men parted company. Anyone would expect Lot, as a person who thought well of his uncle, to at least seek for reconciliation or some form of respectable agreement for peace to reign. On the other hand, even if they had to part ways, thought Lot would let Abraham pick first, but the Bible said he put himself first because his uncle who raised him he chose his own direction, took off with all he had, and never looked back. Abraham must have felt bad about all of this, but you see, God showed up and supported him. When people leave you, you must remember that you have someone who will never leave you. You have someone who is always with you. Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 8, The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Abraham probably felt disappointed and alone. He probably felt let down, forgotten, and like he was at a disadvantage because Lot had taken the best portion of the land and left him to the dry lands. But hear what God told Abraham in the next verses. Genesis chapter 13, verses 14 through 17. The Lord said to Abram after Lot had parted from him, Look around from where you are, to the north and south, to the east and west, including what it seems Lot had taken. All the land that you see I will give to you and your offspring forever. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth, so that if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. Go, walk through the length and breadth of the land, for I am giving it to you. That man or woman may have left you, but God hasn't. Let them go. They may be done with you, but God isn't done with you yet. Let them go. They may have told you that you aren't good enough, you aren't worthy enough, you are a dent to their own image. Let them go. When God is through with you, they will realize what they lost. Remember, when people choose to leave you, you aren't losing them, 
they are losing you. Maybe they left because of something you did. Maybe they were right, you messed up, you were toxic, or you made a mistake. Whatever the reason may have been. Listen to me, do not beat yourself over it or give up on yourself. God is still in the business of taking broken vessels and making beautiful pieces out of them. God is still in the business of transforming lives that allow Him to do so. God is still in the business of forgiving people and giving them second chances. Everyone else may have given up on you, but God hasn't. Today, He beckons on you to allow Him to heal you, to work on you, and bring out those beautiful treasures locked up underneath all the mess that everyone else is seeing. Will you allow Him? If you will let Jesus come into your heart, He can restore you. He can give you back what you lost, the hope, the joy, the true friendship, and the beautiful life you once threw away. Call on Jesus today. It's not yet over for you because they left you. God is with you and He will support you and give you all the things that no single person can give you. That beautiful relationship is in God. That great friendship is in God. That unfailing support is in God. When God blesses you with these things, you will discover what heaven on earth truly means. Your life and relationships can be that when you take your eyes off the people and fix it on God. Don't let no one make you compromise your faith or God's standard to make them stay. It is never worth it. Don't make anyone make you beg for them to stay in your life. If they want to go, let them go. If they want to stay, let them stay only because they see you through God's eyes and are willing to play their part in bringing out the person that God has ordained for you to be. God's got you, my friend. He will never leave you. Emotions are hidden attributes of our outward character. There are basic things that control our emotions. Those are our limbic systems. According to the psychologist, the ultimate is God Almighty, the master of the universe. Do your emotions control you or are you controlled by your emotions? When you're in a good emotional disposition, calm and every action you take is geared toward the leadings of the Holy Spirit, you can say that you control your emotions. The Holy Spirit can help control every one of our emotions positively. You are knowledgeable, but are you emotionally stable? Emotions are the generic term for subjective, conscious experiences that are primarily characterized by psychological expressions, biological reactions, and mental state. Are you mentally stable in your reaction to social issues in life? Are you able to identify your own emotions and those of others to self-motivate and know how to monitor your emotions and those around you? If you are self-aware, meaning that you know your emotional stability and are able to manage it, it's true. How about that of others who would snap at you at every point in time, talking down at you and making you angry deliberately? Let us look at how to know when we allow our emotions to control or rule us. Are you argumentative? Do you argue over every issue of life? Do you not listen? When you do not listen to other people, you always think you're right and others are wrong. You need to watch it and always pay attention to others too. Do you blame others for your mistakes? There are people who blame everyone but themselves for their mistakes. If you are, you must examine yourself. Turn to God Almighty and ask for assistance. He will come to your aid. Do you experience emotional outbursts? At every given time, you're edgy or cranky, always angry. Before anyone can talk to you, they will first check your outward expressions. You can come out of it and have a positive disposition towards life. God will help with your thoughts and clean them with the word purifier from the Bible so you'll then be in charge of your emotions. The Word of God assures and soothes various challenges of life. It's applicable to emotions and other aspects of life. 
read it and pray. It'll go a long way towards helping you. Seek first God's kingdom and righteousness and all other things will be added to it. This is a blank check. Take advantage of it. Check all of the above mentioned items and reconsider seeking spiritual assistance. If you think it's normal to express anger, then check the Bible and have a redress. Who can help you? Only God Almighty can help you and change your emotions into positive expressions and you will have peace. Let us look at Proverbs 16.32. He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty. When you are slow to anger, that is a negative emotional outburst. The Bible says that you're better than the mighty. Let us look at how we know that we control our emotions. You are self-aware. You know your emotional dispositions. You're able to manage it and control it. You have empathy. You feel for others. And you're able to put yourself in others' positions, feel for them, and sympathize with them. You have high self-regulation. You're able to manage yourself and others. Should there be any challenges, you are able to regulate everything without it turning into chaos. You are highly motivated. You're at the top of your game, always highly positive with words of encouragement and enthusiasm. Not a moment of giving in to the devil. You challenge yourself, encourage yourself, and support yourself with a positive attitude. What we see creates the behaviors that form our character. We must first check our thoughts. Our thoughts are mostly preoccupied with their negative impact. Never feel your emotions with what you can't control and what you can't help when the repercussions happen. Let us look at negativity, negative emotions like envy. Are you envious of friends or people without even knowing if it's wrong? Envy can kill. Depression is an emotional state in which a person gives up on everything and wishes to end their life. This can also end your life journey, so take it to God. What is depressing you? What is eating you up emotionally? Take it to God Almighty for restoration and everlasting peace. Frustrations. Are you frustrated? You've tried so many things and it seems to not be working. Don't be frustrated. Ask God for help. He will make a way where there is no way. Sadness. Are you downcast? Are you sad about an issue? Take it to God. Guilt. Do you feel guilty over certain issues? Repent and stop hurting yourself. Let it all down on God. This feeling can emanate bad emotions that can affect you. Grief. Are you grieving over the loss of a friend, family member, or loved one? If this is affecting you negatively, take it to the Most High God who will give you peace of mind. Fear. Is there any false thing projecting fear inside you, causing you fear, affecting your productivity? Take it to God. Shame. What caused you shame? Instead, what is it that you did that makes you feel ashamed? Of allowing your emotions to ride you? Take it to God Almighty and repent never to do it again. He will direct your path and take it away. Do you have doubts about a situation that is beyond you, but you believe it's possible? Take it up with the Most High God. Jealousy. Jealousy can make a person do something that he or she's not expected to do. Negative vibes that can make you sick. It's a negative emotional challenge that needs to be worked on. Disliking people or friends or colleagues for no reason can kill. All these negative emotions do not encourage healthy living. Positive emotions come with great impact, influence from God Almighty. Let us check that too. Smiling, calm heart, Happiness and inner joy, all these things come from God Almighty. Let us look at the scripture. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. 
The Bible makes it clear that all wrath and anger should be put away, as these are indications that we are not in control of our emotions, but that they are dictating to us. Bitterness can destroy good and fantastic relationships. Just imagine a young boy of 17 who went out with his friend for a dinner and ended up slaughtering her for rituals. What manner of evil is that? This should never be found among us as children of the highest God. Let us look at the description of bad emotions in the Bible. Proverbs 29.11 says, A fool vents all his feelings, but a wise man holds them back. The Bible describes anyone who displays negative emotions as a fool. Are you wise or foolish? A man of wisdom should be preferred to a fool of foolishness. Therefore, we must immediately ask for help from Almighty God. Brethren, if we are in control of our anger, you would know the triggers and limits, and there would be a check-in in your spirit to let you know that you're above board. Control your emotions rather than allowing them to control you. How can you control your emotions? He is the one who can help us without prejudice. First and foremost, you have to ask God for help. Remove negativity from your thoughts. Take it up from your current thought level. What preoccupies your mind? What do you think about when you're alone? Do you magnify or overthink issues? Ponder a little and move on to engage your mind with positive things. Read and listen to good messages from your pastor. Forgive people before the offense occurs. Offenses will come. People around you will deliberately hurt you, but don't over-magnify it. Just take it away and let it go. This happens through the help of the Holy Spirit. Take away the murmuring in your thoughts. Do you complain about what you have and don't have? Do you grumble over things? Take it out of your mind so it doesn't affect you negatively. Thank God for everything and you'll see positive change. How do we get rid of toxic emotions? Colossians 3.15 And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. There must be peace with God in your heart, the peace that supersedes all understanding. It is God that gives it. The world can't give it to you. A human being cannot give it to you. The community cannot give it. Only God can give that. He is available to you today. Ask Him for peace of mind. If you have peace, you have everything. Everlasting joy. Embrace emotional healing. You must know what triggers negative emotions and avoid it. Or at every point in time, ask the Holy Spirit for help. You must be emotionally intelligent. Negative emotions can come from triggering events, like an overwhelming workload, for example. Negative emotions are also the result of our thoughts surrounding an event. The way we interpret what happened can alter how we experience the event and whether or not it causes stress. There are suggestions that may help or keep you from toxic emotions. You must first of all check what works for you. This helps me greatly. Ask God for help. At this point, you notice wrong expressions of negative emotions. Realize where you are. Take a break. Breathe in and out. Leave the scene of the event or be excused from the conversation. Calm yourself down and reflect on positive memories and successes and reflect on them. Hang out with people who love you. You should enjoy some positive friends in your circle. Hang out with them. To avoid suicide or negative actions that will cause your loved ones pain, avoid being alone. Try something different or new. Take a short walk. Listen to music. Draw or write short stories. Simply do it. Something new. You'll be glad you did. Write down your worries. I did this recently when my children were returning to school and there was no visible cash at hand. I was so disturbed, I prayed, Dear God, please help me. I wrote about what I would need, ranging from tuition, transportation, provisions, etc. I prayed and handed it over to God Almighty. Guess what? 
I had peace, and I had directions to make some calls. God did it. They all went to school, and it's a thing of the past now. You must not worry about anything. It can't solve the problem. Rather, it will aggravate it. Write down what's working for you in life. The following may be an addition, but please get what works for you. And finally, make sure you're in control of your emotions rather than your emotions controlling you.